0: What's going on, everybody? You are with the Cardboard Coaches. With your boy, Coach Coat. And your boy, the Cartel. Love that. I'm telling you, we're getting silky smooth with these mitts. I'm excited. A little hockey reference for you guys. So it's been a pretty active week. Uh, We are in the first month of the year First month of the year of uh, like this ever-growing sports card boom. Um, some people call it a bubble, and we'll touch upon that later on. However, as of right now, there's nothing bubbling. It's just, uh, it's just on the rise. And we've had a few massive sales on the weekend, most of them coming from auctions. Uh, the biggest one, I think, uh, I guess it's not an I think, was the... $730,000 Jordan sale, PSA 10, by the way, at the Golden Auctions. So, Aton, how do we feel about this, man?
1: There's a couple of them, right?
0: There was at least two. Someone mentioned that there was 10. I don't know if it came from Ken Golden himself. Uh, we'll do some further research and let you guys know on our channels if that was, in fact, the true. But as it stands right now, let's call it two. So it so wasn't a
1: one-off. This, it's potentially this great market shift. Um, I think the most uh, alarming or, or most noticeable thing you're going to see is that it's quite a jump up from the previous sales. Um, you would expect a kind of ladder-like stepping effect where we're going to 250, 350, 450, 500. Instead, we just went straight to $700,000 and that's, that kind of elicits some mixed emotions because you are thinking to yourself, well, that's great. The market is thriving, but at the same time, that is a little too fast. I mean, isn't that kind of one of the initial feelings you get taking a look at that? Yeah. I mean, it's um, the type of thing where it's so fast, it almost has me more concerned than excited for a sale like that, right? Yeah. And
0: uh, there were a few other sales that were like that too. And like, I'm going to touch upon one of them that really resonates with me, but yeah, man, like the the rate at which things are exponentially increasing. And I don't know if it's because like we were talking about before, it's kind of like a calamity of errors that's happening right now. Not necessarily in the sports card hobby, but like in life where a lot of people don't have a job, Um, or, you know, they might not have financial stability of a job, so they're becoming entrepreneurs. There's a lot of money all over the place right now. You've got people making money off uh, stocks that weren't making money off stocks before. You know, we have cryptocurrencies. We've got a lot of new avenues that people are making money off of. And tied into that, like, we just had the the whole game stonks, the uh, the whole, like, and so as a whole, I feel like there's a lot less... Uh, love for conventional investing. And I think as a result of that, maybe getting something tangible that has a a cap on how many exist. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that might actually be what we've been talking about with respect to like these high ticket collectible items being like art and like art is an investment for the Uber rich. Do you know what I mean? Like if you buy a Picasso and you keep that Picasso for fucking 15, 20 years, I mean, you guarantee you'll make money on that. If you sell it, you know what I mean?
1: And it's, it's certainly more understandable and accessible to the average Joe who follows sports. Um, And like you said, who understands that there is a certain amount available. Um, Obviously with art, you're dealing with one of a kinds, but at the same time, there's that element of quote unquote art, Appreciation. A lot of people have strong viewpoints on modern art and uh, uh, more uh, antiquated art, and there's all sorts of different viewpoints on whether or not that's a great investment or not. But clearly, there's a generation coming in that prefers to have a, a a bit of a fuller understanding, at least, of the content of what the cards represent. There's plenty of people out there who have no idea what's going on with cards. Yeah. yeah. Be wrong because a lot of these outside investors, I believe, have never messed around with cards before. It's something new to them, but at least at the very basic level, when you're discussing something involving Michael Jordan with someone, they know who Michael Jordan is. That's exactly it. I don't understand it on that level. Yeah. Um, but there, there's no, make no doubt about it, there are very large groups of people in, involved in a lot of these, both purchases and sales. And a lot of them are not going to know much about cards, and maybe even in some cases, sports at all. And I think it takes that kind of person to create such a jump in pricing from yeah. 150 to, to over 700,000. Yeah. And then you're going to start seeing some aberrations, like the fact that, you know, Cardporn pointed out that there was a, uh, there was on the internet, there was a, uh, an item available, a Jordan PSA 10 at almost half the price. on am buy it now via slab stocks. And that immediately reminded me of the fact that, you know, I'm hopping on and and just in smaller markets, like with vintage hockey, you're seeing certain sales via PWCC or the big auction houses. And at the same time I'm noticing there are cards available at a lower buy it now. So what's going on there? I think
0: can we talk about that that? manipulation? Yeah. Can we talk about that? I think, I think that has to do with the eyes on it, honestly. I mean like there is definitely market manipulation, but like, PWCC, if someone clicks something on PWCC and they scroll through, first of all, PWCC stuff always like 90% of the time shows up at the top because 100%. they have the most listings, they have probably the most feedback. Like right. Because they are like a conglomerate in the market, they have the the most eyes on every single item. And as a result, they're probably going to have way more watches in general. And this goes back to one of the first things you told me when I, when I got into – Selling on eBay, you said you want a bidding war. So screw the 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 high uh, the the high askings. Like don't don't turn people off from a bid. Start right. it at, at at a dollar, and whatever it gets up to, it gets up to because uh, people will f- like feed each other, right? And so these bids start low versus like let's say someone like a, a bin like mentally spending $450,000 on something when you think you could have gotten it for less is like, it's a big step. Do you know what I mean? Like I think that was probably the highest buy in Now we had seen. So like someone needs to mentally commit to like, okay, I am setting the new precedent for this. And there's a certain FOMO that kicks in where you're like, did I overpay? Right. And so at least if you're in the bid, you're like, I was in that and like, this is the new ceiling or this is the new floor and I'm cool with whatever happens from this point forward. Do you know what I mean?
1: Right. And that's, that's something that people brought up is that perhaps two things, perhaps number one, people attending golden auctions or being involved in them are not aware of these other platforms, or they simply prefer to go through what they believe is a, a, uh, a trusted source. Perhaps they've had experience with that source before, and that makes them more comfortable in making a large purchase. And I can understand that it's quite a huge discrepancy. At the same time, you do have to step back and realize that there are certain fees involved with uh, with auctions, uh, premiums and that sort of thing um, for someone who's selling, I believe, right? They're going to be charged extra fees and they're not going to get all of that $700,000. Yeah. yeah. Whereas that person offering it for four fifty dollars may be getting more. I am hearing, however, that price shifted up, obviously. Maybe that was just a matter of taking a, taking a, a day or two to, to, to adjust that. Yeah. But there, there is a form of manipulation that exists that's been going on, I, whether people know it or not. You, you, can have groups of people that will try to accumulate as much as they can of a certain of a certain card, and simply, simply put, they're just gonna they're gonna head on eBay and they're going to readjust everything by putting up a slew of them. Now you will see this through PWCC Vault, right? Because you always have an option at purchase from W from PWCC and leave it in their quote unquote vault. And then when it comes time to sell, you can sell it. But what I noticed, and I'm looking at one particular card, it's a hockey card from the 80s, and it's a graded card, and all of a sudden, five of them popped up via the PWCC vault. Is it the same client? Uh, Is it multiple clients? Who is guiding that pricing? These are questions I don't know. I'm just putting them out there. But they've all been priced at the same price that's about $150 more than the the typical going rate via auction over the last few weeks. So if you do that, Or if you take one auction and push that, and you know what I mean when I say push that, when you push that price above the current buy it now so that the buy it now has to be readjusted, you are essentially adjusting the market. Yeah,
0: you're you're changing the price of
1: that item. Because any outside observer is just seeing what the buy it nows are and what the completeds are. So if you're looking to manipulate, you wanna manipulate what that person's gonna see in the completed auctions and both the buy it now. And then they're going to calculate in their head. Well, what, what should I be bidding on this item? What should I be looking to buy this item for? And I know for a fact that this is going on right now. It's, it's happening. And if it's happening with $500 cards, it's probably happening with thousand dollar cards. And it's probably happening with hundred thousand dollar cards. I'm just going to put it out there as, as, as crazy as it seems.
0: Yeah.
1: Although it's not crazy. If someone wants to manipulate a large card in the market and they happen to have three, four or five of them. Is it worth going through the rigmarole of shilling essentially and maybe creating sales that aren't even real? Now, I, I don't think there's any chance in hell that that would happen via a company like Golden Auctions. I don't know about all, all these other companies. And, as, and again, if we're talking about 1,000 here, 5,000 there, maybe a company makes a deal with someone that they're not gonna get charged a fee. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Yeah. It's, it's something that, you, you know, a lot of people maybe don't want to talk about all the time because you may be implicating people or casting suspicion. And in a lot of cases, you know, that would be really unfair if a company is trying to play, play it by the books. Yeah. But we know, we know what goes on in this hobby. Unfortunately, there is a lot of fraudulent behavior going on. You just have to be aware of it. Yeah. Um, you know, we may not be playing in the market, the, the, the market that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. But the reality is these days, if you make one or two good moves, even as a new collector, you may find yourself in that realm yeah. very quickly. Yeah, Card Porn also posted a, a gentleman doing a great job uh, unslabbing an SGC uh, Jordan and upgrading it via BGS. Um, I'm telling you, one move here, one move there, one move there, next thing you know, you're holding a card that's five or six digits. You may not have thought that that was possible a couple of yeah. years ago. Yeah. You may not have thought it was possible last year when you entered the hobby, but it can happen. And when you're there, now you're in that market and it does become a concern for you in terms of what's going on. And you do have to kind of watch the market. You have to know when when to sell and what's going on. Um, so yeah, the, again, unregulated market. There's a lot going on each and every day. And here's an example where a card can bump from 150 to 700K. If that's the standard for Jordan now, how far off are we from one mil? It can't be that far
0: i think i also like i mean if this is legit um which i think like i said ken golden i i mean it's an auction house i think that if people are bidding at at like on this through an auction house then they have the money to burn to be like i don't give a fuck if it's 500 or 700 also to be the guy who bought the first 700 000 jordan i feel like there's like you you either have two stories one the person who bought bought it low Or two, the person who bought it high, because the next story is going to be that you bought it low. Do you know what I mean? So like, it's like, like you kind of want that clout either way, Um, if you're spending spending this kind
1: of money. Well, that's a good point. I mean, so, I mean, it certainly makes, makes one feel better about a sale when, uh, who is it, Rob G? Is that the guy who purchased the mantle? Yeah, I believe So, So Right. That, that certainly lends credence to the sale and the transaction because yeah. the guy's talking about it. He's showing it off. Yeah. He's explaining why he bought it. He's we, we learn a little bit about him and what he's done previously in terms of investing. And he's also using it to his advantage because that's pretty great marketing, man. I just yeah. bought a million dollar car. Like, um, and the, so yeah, there so was
0: yeah. a, there's like, there's another one as well. And that person got crazy hype as well as a result of it. And he opened up this little museum where people can like come and see it. Like it's, You know what I mean? So there is
1: clout in, like, making those massive purchases. You you just reminded me of the Todd McFarlane uh, purchases back in the day when he bought the home run balls uh, involving Sosa and McGuire. And I I think even bonds and he massively overpaid at the time uh, because he was purchasing right in the midst of the hype. But if you talk to him about it, he he, first of all, I took those balls on 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 tour. Um, he, he opened up kind of a, a display, a baseball display and, and traveling kind of show. And he also had his own stuff to promote his, his spawn stuff, his, his McFarland action figures. So kind of a, kind of a brilliant move as far as marketing goes to make a large purchase in a popular market. That's exactly it. So, right? So you know, if we hear from these Jordan purchasers, that certainly would, ha- would, would make things feel a little more. Uh, legitimate, but uh, I mean, obviously no one is required to do that no, privacy. No. I mean, if I ever won the lottery, I'd hate to have cameras yeah. in front of my face, but um, you know, privacy is one thing, but there is that, that added layer of a bit more comfort in the market when people come forward like that. But there's a lot of privacy as well. Like these, these, these big auction houses on eBay now, those are private listings. You can't even, can't even see what's going on because enough people were looking yeah. Yeah. and seeing sketchy behavior. Yeah. Right. So right.
0: I also think that uh, the last, I want to say, two weeks, I have seen more posts from guys like Gary V and Vegas Dave, and we can talk about those. But like, just talking about Gary V, has been on it that uh, the the Jordan should be a million dollars. Like, he's been—it's been like two or three weeks where he's like, "Guys, the Jordan should be a million dollars," and he just keeps saying it.
1: Yeah, you wonder just how much that affected.
0: And like, we're, if you're talking about like, like quadrupling, because that's basically what happened. I mean, a month in between auction sales. Cause I think that, like it was a month ago, the last time a Jordan was at a Ken golden, cause it's a monthly auction, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that uh, might be enough just if someone wants to go directly through an auction house versus the eBay route, because again, like maybe they're just, just afraid of, you know, putting 150 K into some random person eBay. Um, I think, that, that might also, and like I said, it was a kind of like a perfect storm where like people are like, okay, the stock market looks like it's about to crash. I mean, and I, am not, I'm not, I'm not an expert by any means, but like, that's kind of You're not
1: the stock coaches. No.
0: no, And I'm not going to, I will not say that like in two weeks, like, oh, the stock market didn't crash. You're an idiot. Like I'm just saying that this is what, you know, I'm hearing from people who invest in the stock market that it's at the very least there is uncertainty and with uncertainty means that people want to put their money into things that they might think are more certain. And I'm just saying that I think that that is all of this resulted in some crazy increase that I don't think we've ever seen before because this card, I believe it was in the summertime was $65,000. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about well over ten times something that was sixty-five thousand dollars
1: it's really fast. Six months. And I think anyone anyone with a functioning brain right now and with some years of experience under their belt, there's a lot of there's a lot of red lights flashing right now. Um, it's exciting stuff, and you find yourself in a position where you want to cheer it on for sure, but it's a lot of red lights. And I, I just I find that my whole experience looking at eBay and dealing with cards right now is so different than it was two years ago because I don't just look for little instances of an increase or a decrease here and there. By the way, what decreases? I mean, it's a player being thrown off a bridge or something. I, I don't even know. Maybe that'll increase the price. But um, you, now what I'm looking for are these strange aberrations because, yeah. I, I, look, I, I, so I can, use, I can have very specific examples. Of the Jason Dominguez uh, Bowman Chrome first which was trading around, you know, 175 to 200, maybe a few weeks ago, there was one day where you literally overnight saw something that I kind of, you know, something along the lines of what I previously described where there seemed to be a, a, a concerted effort uh, by, by some group of people to delist any auctions put up by it now is it at a much higher price so than any auctions that would pop up would, would pump up just a bit more. Was it recently? And- Mm-hmm. Was it recently? So a good. Uh, two weeks ago, like, okay. uh, because now they're 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 trading up much higher. Uh, we saw a big bump in refractors now. So, so have you heard refractor- about Jason Dominguez
0: though? Have you heard that that he just got listed as the youngest ever top one hundred prospect on MLB.com? Absolutely. Yeah. At absolutely. 30, I think he's like ranked thirty seven, and he's never played a pro
1: ball game in his life. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong. There's there's a lot of hype over Dominguez, and
0: he's uh, he's compared to Mantle and Bo Jackson.
1: I've seen those the the Trout and Mantle and Bo, jeez, uh, but nonetheless, yeah, hype plays a lot into our hobby, and I get it. But um, you know, you're starting to notice these very specific things where things happen literally overnight. Um, you know, in, in in the realm of hockey, uh, there was some talk that certain '80s sealed product is jumping up really big. So you would imagine that that would translate. And I am actually expecting that a lot of, a lot of mid eighties product that still hasn't been picked up on, like the and the WAS have been picked up on. You would expect if all of this makes sense, which maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, you would then start to expect some of the bigger key hall of fame rookie cards from the eighties that haven't been discussed too much would start bumping up. And we're, we're kind of seeing that right now as, as more stuff hits the market, but yeah, obviously with all these red lights popping, um, people have to start weighing in on where this is all headed. And I think Gary V. several times now has mentioned, he still thinks there's a couple of years of this ahead of us. Whereas Mr. Vegas, Dave, who we all know is such a talented and wise member of the community. Um, that's, that's being sarcastic.
0: I was going to say be- that he's, he's, uh, he's very eloquent, eloquently spoken.
1: Right. Yes. My favorite, Vegas Dave joke is I didn't know he was in the cardboard. I thought he was more into plastic and saline, but anyway, good. Um, you know, he, he's, what did he say? 12, what did, 12 to 12 to 36 he months said, or uh,
0: no, no. He said, I think it was 12 to 18 months is what he, so gave. he
1: thinks he thinks we're going to crash within a year. Okay. Um, that was his big, uh, big statement that was making the rounds. So it kind of became these two influencers and, and which, which route are we going to go? How do you feel? I, I, I look at things. I want to look at things deeply. I don't want to just look at things on the surface. I start to think about the elements that are really worth getting into right now, like the concept. And we've touched on all these previously, just not very deeply. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff sitting in grading warehouses right now. I was going to say that the the backlog definitely is going to have a massive impact on the market and it's going to hit the market. Um, But I had a thought about this the other day because I've been watching a lot of, and again, the the, the mid-tier market is just as important as the upper tier market. There's a trickle down, but at the same time, I mean, look, the majority of people on eBay right now are not searching for Jordan PSA 10s. They're creating that mid-tier market that is in a way the foundation of everything. There has to be a foundation holding it up. So it's just as important. And that's where, you know, these, these graded cards are going to come in, where, uh, you know, some, some of the some of the big, you know, the prison-based rookies, that sort of thing that people talk about the most being potentially a bubble. I've been watching a lot of reveals. Everybody loves watching reveals, especially when they're blind. You have to trust, by the way, that the guy, you can lie very easily. You can take a look on your phone, and PSA sends you the email, and you can say it's a blind reveal. But anyway. Are we going see- to do a blind one? Are we going to do
0: are we, are we doing uh,
1: yeah, blind? I'm I'm down to I've I, I've done a blind BGS reveal. I, I'm down to do it. Sure, uh, nerve agony. wracking, but yeah, agony. I would think that this is. I mean, unless my last PSA order was the first one, I would think this might be the first one since I've been hearing about population control and all this other stuff. So it'll be it'll be a little nerve wracking, but. I I, I I filmed a little rant right afterwards just to remind myself because I, I watched a bunch of these reveals and I, wa- and I listened to a bunch of people talking about grading and the uh, the proliferation of sending your cards to someone else to send on your behalf and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm thinking about all that stuff and I'm thinking to myself, we're not going to get necessarily what we expect, which is to say, I think we're, we're not going to get flooded with tens and nines. no. I think people are skipping a lot of steps and they're just willy-nilly submitting stuff. Um, there's this slab mentality, right? Like we people love slabs. Yeah. Uh, there's a popular store in Toronto. I'm going to say it. I'm not going to say the name of the store, but I'm going to say what I feel.
0: I was like, okay. I'm like, This, I'm this guy's then.
1: selling garbage on a weekly basis. We'll see. Selling garbage. You might know what I'm talking about. He's selling garbage on a weekly basis. Uh, five, sixes, GMA, uh, it's getting sold.
0: It's getting sold, though,
1: man. it's getting sold, man. Um, he's got a great base to sell to. I believe his base is, uh very, very much, uh, not very well, well-healed collectors. He got carved up the other day. I don't know if you, you, just, you saw it. I didn't. Ah, oh, man. I want to talk to you about this in depth, but now, I, I. But again, I just don't want to. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. I, I'm so, saying, man, do your thing. Do your hustle in the words of Peter Pac-Man, you know, like there's, there's no, there's no point in, 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 in hating right now, but yeah, this guy's selling garbage on a weekly basis because people want slabs. Yeah. yeah. he's just want to have slabs. I, I don't get it. I have people in my DMs asking me for slabs. What, what grade do you want? What Bro, I, same, you want? Thing, same thing.
0: Same thing. I'm like, thing. I'm like, I don't understand. What do you like? What sport? Like do you have like do, player They're like, I just, just want like, I things. do have
1: slabs. So I'm like, so there will be a lot of plastic hitting the market. I'm not convinced that the, the population reports are going to be devastated uh, because I think we're gonna have a co- combined factors. PSA is grading tougher. Um, and people are not taking the steps to make sure that they're sending the, the best of the best. Um, I think the best example would be that that guy that, that Markleberry pointed out. Uh, I, I forget that guy, I, the, the, the good looking collector, I'll call him and uh, just pounding out a bunch of eights and nines look I think that's what that's what we're going to be looking at we're not we're not necessarily going to be seeing this influx that's going to mess up population reports yeah so there's that um there's still new collectors coming in we're still locked down for the most part obviously in in Canada we seem to be locked down about 10 times worse than than some other places anywhere else <laughs> people are at a Dallas show right now Um, which I really hope doesn't turn into a super spreader event. There's a lot of photos and videos coming out of people just very casual. Just uh, crazy. Um, So, you know, uh, the the reality is um, there's still people coming in and there's still people coming in with money. So this is not going anywhere in 12 months, 12 to 18 months. It's just not going to happen. Plus, you've got baseball starting up um you're gonna have the basketball playoffs
0: we got uh, the euro coming up man
1: and have, in the world of soccer there you there you go
0: we haven't even champions league we're getting the world cup next year pele documentary dropping at the end of
1: february on netflix there you go it's uh a lot of young people got to get reminded about who pele is man that's a big one
0: going to get hectic man and, and you know
1: that said so as far as these kind of fringe markets quote unquote which aren't really that fringe anymore it also gets me on the whole issue of the UFC as well um and again so that's the whole thing new new markets that still haven't been plumbed to their to their uh their potential at this point but yet still people are still offering opinions I'm seeing all sorts of opinions I'm, I'm seeing oh soccer and UFC they were fads Um, I got to tell you this. I don't collect soccer and I've, I've, I've been a soccer um, what's the, what's the term I've been hesitant and I've been skeptical. I've been a skeptic even through talking with you. I've still been a skeptic, but there is a part of me that understands this is a huge important sport. It makes sense that it's going to be collected. And it also makes sense that, that they're trying to figure out the market. How long have baseball cards been around, man? You're going to find baseball and hockey cards in the 1800s, okay? But you're not going to find soccer cards, which is kind of strange. I don't know why that is, but um, you're not going to find Soccer stickers, man. I've been,
0: like, feverishly, and for anyone who wants a little tidbit about what I've been doing, I've been feverishly collecting soccer stickers because that's where the market originated from. Like, Panini has been – originally, before they made basketball cards – they were making soccer stickers, so they've yeah. actually been around for much longer than Panini's been making basketball. Call, specifically, Prism. That it, so, um, it is. I think on the cusp, and I'm sorry to just hijack because you know we we both get no no go excited. ahead. We're we're talking about these markets. We both get super excited about our markets. And 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 super offended when people don't understand and they just make these, these, these jokes about, oh, it went all the way up and then all the way down, like that, that classic crashing chart, right? Right. But if this market wasn't, first of all, they're both materializing and we're talking UFC cards and we're talking soccer cards. But yesterday at the golden auction, the same golden auction that had that, that Fleer Jordan absolutely popped. It was a Ronaldo rookie, a 2003 Mega Cracks PSA 10 that sold for over $200,000 US. And that is the first official, if I'm not mistaken, it's at the very least, it's the first official $2,000 card in the soccer card hobby. But if I'm, I, if I'm truly not mistaken, it's the first six-digit card in the soccer card hobby. And so mm-hmm. now... Now we're going to see a market. Now, if you see that card go down, you know what? Go for it. Chirp, 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 chirp. Because that is now the staple piece where before there really wasn't a staple piece. And I think UFC now, you know, we're waiting for that staple piece. And for some reason, people thought that was going to be Conor McGregor. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, they thought that staple piece was going to be Conor McGregor. But if you truly know UFC, you know, he might've been big for UFC, but he is by no means like, the most, I mean, he might be the most influential, but he's not like
1: the best. Do you know what I mean? Right. Of all, and that's, the, and, and that's what I mean when I say that the market hasn't figured itself out yet. Yes. It's, there is no UFC market. There's a bunch of collectors and there's a bunch of curious investors. It's, it's not there yet. It hasn't formed itself yet. Soccer is further along the way, but even still, there's people figuring out what were the releases, what would be rookie cards, what prices make sense. Yeah. what should be collected the most what's the standard i even i, I even heard gary b talking about how for soccer stickers might be the standard so you might actually want to focus more on that but then you're going to have the collectors sniffing around who understand prism and they understand the modern panini product now panini's going to be releasing ufc cards and not a lot of people understand ufc the the, the card market they don't know what the rookies are they don't know what the first card is they don't know the formats they're figuring that out now. The Conor McGregor sale. Now you're talking about a market that only has a twelve thousand um, dollar standard, so yes. to speak. Yeah, and the, the, the and in my opinion, it was ridiculous. I, I gave a million reasons why I thought it was ridiculous. Yeah, this, you were, this, anti, you were was, anti. I mean, that's something I sold for one twelfth a couple of years back after he after he lost right to a major boxing match, a major title match. Now, now, here's the thing. It goes up 12 times, and a lot of people are also mentioning, and I'm one of them, that is an effect of the current market, right? That's an effect of the current lockdown, strange market that we've been seeing the last couple of years. There's no way it would have been uh, 12 grand, in my opinion. And of course, it's going to go down because the guy lost again. And in my opinion, I don't think he's he's, he's going to make another title run. It's it, it, People don't know UFC. They don't follow it. I'm sick of people telling me how good Conor McGregor is. They don't even know, right? They, they, they've not been watching the top. The, the lightweight division is one of the most competitive, awesome, sheer awesomeness in that division. And they're telling me Conor McGregor, who barely fights every year, who takes time off, gets involved in all sorts of ridiculousness, is going to be a top contender in that division. And I say, no, he's not. So I don't know where you're going with, with that investment. I don't know what the future is. For McGregor in terms of being marketable and in terms of what his fights are going to be but I know what the future is for Dustin Poirier. Well yeah cuz I, I mean like is for add
0: value. like McGregor, McGregor can't really add value at this point. That's, you know what, that's I mean? what I'm unless, saying. Unless he becomes like like a focal point in something else. Do you know what I mean? Like if he like does movies or like has his own right. podcast or like something along those lines.
1: Yeah. Which is always a possibility. Yeah. But it it, it it's just it's it, it didn't, it didn't make sense to me. And it gave the wrong representation of the market. So people were saying, Oh, UFC is crashing now. It's absolutely not. Um, there are still some solid buys and there's still some solid upward tracking fighters. Just take a look at the, the list of champions and the top contenders. Um, but that, that sale did not represent UFC and MMA. That sale represented a very specific thing happening with Conor McGregor and happening with the overall market. If anything, that would be on my list of, you know, something that someone like Vegas Dave would see and say, okay, that that's one of the reasons why this, this thing is going to hell. Yeah. Is because people are paying $12,000 card. It makes no sense. Yeah. Um, so, so if anything, that, that that's something I, I don't like looking at in terms of that overall market, but at the same time, um, you know, the Habib card never really truly popped. Like I thought it would. No. You can start getting to the fact that, well, he kind of retired and he might not be back, but if you want to start talking about legacy and all these things talk about when people talk about Jordan and, and Gretzky, you can talk about that with Habib. He made a huge impact and he was unbeaten.
0: Well, if you think about like, let's say, I mean, this, this UFC market does eventually like form. Right. And, and, and as the UFC is growing and now that tops is making cards, undoubtedly it's going to, and you have in a Habib card and in, you know, 10, 15 years, yeah, that he still has that same impact on the hobby or on the sport because of like how like people are telling tales of Habib, then yeah. like it'll go up exponentially. And like that might be the the card like that sets the standard, right? Because like I mean, like it's it's weird to watch a market form like while the, the player or the, the fighter in this case is still in it. Do you know right. what I mean? And there, right. ha- there aren't any clear cut, like this, this is the best thing you can own in this hobby. Right. Mm. And like, that's why me and you are bouncing such cool ideas off each other for soccer. Cause it's kind of the same thing. We're like, okay, well, like what's the best thing anyone could own in soccer? Like, I mean, that's,
1: and people no, are sorting that
0: out no answer. You know, there's no answer right now.
1: Also but, consider, consider yeah, that. Ahead. Do you know, do you know when UFC one was? No. 93. That's crazy. Okay, now, now the sport does extend back a little bit from there, um, but it was a shit show. Uh, uh, I was watching a, an old Tank Abbott fight. It, it, it looks like street brawling, and, and someone in the comment section was like, you had to have balls to step into the ring back then because no one knew what the hell was going on. The ref didn't know. You didn't know. Your opponent didn't know. So we're talking about 27 years yeah, of having years. some formation of this sport
0: but it's, it's only brand, years like think about it let's say if the average person's career is like let's say 5 to 8 you know for shits and giggles like that's a max you're only talking about four cycles worth of of like of of player or of of people to to talk about you know what i mean whereas like if we go back in baseball dude baseball like in the 1800s 1900s like that's you have so many layers of people there you got like 20 like i, I can't even Fucking think about how many seasons. generations
1: years. of of collectors and enthusiasts and players. Your grandpa played, he played catch with your dad, he played catch with you. It's you know, it's there. Um, and yeah, I always remind people where do, like trading cards, baseball cards. You talk about baseball bubblegum cards. Yes. That cool. is the root of it, which is why I would expect I would expect a baseball card to be on top of the charts when it comes to all these big sales. That's why it made sense that the Honus Wagner was there um, when it was. Cause don't forget, I mean, man, it was so long ago that original Honus Wagner sale. Um, but, it, but I love it, it's just such a strange market. I remember as a kid when that happened, I said to myself, I'm gonna collect T206 cards as much as I can until the big anniversary, like the big hundred year anniversary, so what, 2009. Yeah. And I collected as many as I could and threes and fours, not the best ones. And I remember the market was kind of like, it was like a flat fart of an increase. Like you got an extra 50 bucks. And again, so maybe that was a sign of the times because what was going on with the economy in 2009. Yeah. Now take a look at what's going on and what we're surrounded by. Um, the big question has to be, is this? How much of everything that's happening is happening because of the bizarre situation that the world is in right now? And the the Connor sale makes me wonder about that more than anything. Um, The Michael Jordan cards, they should be worth a lot. I'm just concerned with how quickly anyone, like I said, anyone who's thinking about this has to be concerned with that. A lot of people aren't gonna care. They just see dollar signs. And I think they think the next step is a million. So, yeah, it wouldn't be the worst play in the world to go grab one right now.
0: To the moon. Even at the price of the rat. We were talking about, uh, you've been saying, like, just for, like, just. When someone asks you, what's the best thing you can own? And you were saying for like four months, you're like, I, you don't think I would be spending, you know, I like the best thing you can own is a Michael Jordan 10. Literally, like, literally,
1: if you've you been go back to like, maybe our first episode for
0: like four or five months, you're like, what's the best thing you can own? I mean, like I would, I, if I had the money, I'd be buying Jordan 10s, you know, yeah. like straight up, like, let's stop fucking around. That what I would be buying is Jordan 10s. And now look, you know, like and believe me. five months, like, yes, you're right. If I people, have the money, it's
1: very easy. There's young people with cash. Like you said, they're super attracted to the non-traditional assets. They are the ones banking right now, man. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. You don't need to hire anyone. You don't need a professional. You don't need a, uh, uh, an accountant who's going to sit there and tell you how to manage your money. It's just, they're very simple plays right now. For yeah. now. How long? Who knows for now? By the way, going to throw this out there. I know we're going to transition to the fitness very soon, Brendan, but my God, are you seeing on your feed how many people are now offering newsletters and showing you that they can make you $5 on Patrick line every week? I, I I don't know what's going on, $5, man.
0: $5 on Patrick Liney.
1: Huh?
0: What? $5 on
1: Patrick Line? They're, they're just, they're advertising like that. Like I told you Patrick Line it would be really? worth this one week later. Really? And it went what? up $5. And I'm like, wh- what do you want me to do with that, man? I i, I don't get it. And then I'm, I'm making fun of them and they're still communicating with me. And I'm like, are you, did you not understand that? I mean, do I need to make fun of you harder and deeper? Did I tell you, I sold all I my that. Josh. Did I tell you I
0: sold all my Josh Andersons that I bought for two bucks?
1: Good. I'm glad you did. I, I sold one of my own. Um, if you have a Nick Suzuki right now, I highly recommend that you sell it. But again, that, not even that stuff. You know, it's just there's so many people showing up who think that they can tell you. Yeah. And, and, and again, at the end of the day, like, how many times am I going to be wrong right now, Brendan, if I if I pick five cards, and I tell you, they're going to go up next week. How many times am I going to be wrong if I have any knowledge of, of the sport mm-hmm. in question? If I have any collecting, you are now probably more of an expert, I think, than most people that I've run into on Instagram. (laughs) I'm being serious. And I don't mean that as a slight on you. I'm just trying to say that, like, when you came to the hobby, knowing hockey, you were in a better position than half these people who are trying to charge. I don't know what it is, $5.99 a week or something like that. Bro, have you, the Nick Suzuki
0: still kills me, man. Didn't Bro, make-
1: did, did you see uh, someone posted a, a Jakob Vrana a PSA 10 that eclipsed the uh, 450 US dollars? What is going on? Who's buying these cards? Have you seen them? It's the it, ma- hype magic- of FOMO. What is
0: going on? Okay, you remember at the beginning of the season, me and you were talking about I, I might grab a Marner and I, I just didn't pull the trigger on it. I think Ooh, it was like three I was telling
1: people, Marner, yeah.
0: It, it just hit 800.
1: I mean he's a top three scorer, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. I was we telling people about the league and again, it's it's funny because you can amplify it in the current market. If the current market's hyper, hyperactive right now, look at some of the other the Toronto Maple Leafs are a well-collected team. They are look, there's Toronto Maple Leaf jerseys and Mike Myers movies. Uh Uh, a wrestler uh, from from AEW who's formerly of WWE died recently and he was a big Maple Leaf fan Maple Leafs are in the popular culture and what do we like we like scorers in hockey we like guys that rack up the points okay Marner Matthews the Leafs are your team does Matthews um, Matthews hit 2k he has hit 2k not surprised
0: i said does he does he because it's close i mean
1: he, he he will eventually yeah man i mean he's gonna c- come along with with mcdavid and all and all those players um of course those are great pickups of course you know so and man with the leafs playing like they are right now my god um have about you know, yours in the summertime man i offered it to you I that's right know. i think no. I, I ended up moving it on on ebay and those prices were ridiculously low when you look back at, at, at this point, um, geez, Crazy. absolutely, man. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk about some ways that we can de-stress and lower the anxiety over the market and maybe get focused because yeah. if you're in good shape, you're more focused, you're better able to make good decisions about what you want to buy, when you want to sell, like, these are all important considerations. Sure are. Um,
0: well, I think that you can't talk about being focused without first talking about I said being hungry, let's say being hungry. And we want to make sure that we eat at the appropriate times so that we at no point feel incredibly hungry to the point where we start binge eating. That's actually one of the issues when, when people, they binge eat, it's because they haven't really eaten in their yeah. specific window. Right. Um, so the window we're talking about today is a pre-workout and post-workout. But I think uh, just in general, I think unless you know enough about your body and you are really good at self-discipline, quite honestly, I think you should be eating even a snack every two, three hours. And don't get me wrong. When I say snack, I mean something with whole ingredients in it. I don't mean your version of a snack is a muffin or a bagel I'm talking like, if you want a snack, here's a, a handful of almonds. Here is a banana or an apple. And this way, you never get to a point where you're starving and you binge eat. But Aton, you have this religious pre-workout meal that I have seen yeah. you intake since the beginning of time. Yeah. And I really feel like people need to know what it is because it's it's honestly a really good combination of of. M- macronutrients and micronutrients
1: now now that said um before we get to the specifics of that i think you yeah. and i have always been grazers yeah. almost as a necessity now you know when i met when, when we met we were personal trainers running a very intense schedule and we were both a couple of the more busy personal yeah. trainers <clears throat> and that met, that that necessitated having to be on kind of a grazing schedule rather than a gigantic meal and, and taking space. And so we, we were smart enough to know that that was good anyway. Yeah. But even if I think, I think back to, you know, at one point you were on stage, I believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and you just were absolutely shredded and ripped. Not that you're not anymore, but really shredded and ripped. And you were still eating throughout the day. Yeah. Even then when you were rocking, you know, 5% body fat, you were still eating throughout the day. Yep. Um, and we'll get to the opposite of that. Maybe, maybe next time. Cause there are a lot of people who have questions about intermittent fasting, which yeah. is becoming popular. Yeah. But pretend we're in 1989 and, and that's where Brendan and I are coming from. We just got back from WrestleMania three or four or whatever it is. And maybe WrestleMania six or seven, but anyways, we just got back from the show. We were, we're wearing our Hulk Hogan shirt. So this is 1989. Sure, sure. So these concepts of intermittent fasting are not necessarily important. What what we want to look at is how to fuel ourselves in the context of our day. And and a big part of our day is working out. Yeah. Well, it used to be for me about a year ago. Um, So the great advantage of having the workout routine is now you can abide by it and support it with the way that you're eating. So I think what you were talking about was usually my my pre-workout meal. I want to combine a protein and a slow carb. So you often see me eating the, the oatmeal. Yeah, beforehand, it's not necessarily my morning, uh, my first thing in the morning no. meal. Yeah, that's usually for me going to be eggs and, and, a, and a fat, like something like avocado. Yeah. Um, uh, and and I sometimes do throw in some carbs, could be quick carbs or, or slow carbs, just to get that little bit of energy because I know my body, yeah. I tend to uh digest very quickly. So, uh, my pre workout is going to con- contain a, a protein and a carb. And oftentimes, what people saw was I was, I was eating oatmeal right before which by the way i think is was also something espoused by a lot of early bodybuilders you get your workout in and then your body wants replenishment and it doesn't want replenishment through a slower carb that's going to get through your system slow like like oatmeal i wanted that for the energy throughout the workout yeah i want to replenish it quickly um and 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 in some cases and and in some situations that meant even a pop-tart but we don't want to talk about
0: i remember that
1: so so, what's a better option? How about white rice, right? Yeah. Which, with your chicken breast post workout. And if you don't like to eat a, a big meal afterwards, which I didn't, by the way, I much preferred taking down a protein shake that had a one to one ratio. And again, this, this was for me in my situation. I'm a bit ectomorphic, one to one in terms of carbon and protein. And if you can get that in a shake with, you know, say, I don't know, 300 calories post workout a lot easier on my system and a lot easier to do to just cough down a shake and then have a proper dinner later on. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I used to break it down super simply to people. And again, there's, there's some knowledge you got to have of what, what macronutrients are and what fit, what fits in, but starting and finishing your day with protein and healthy fats, surrounding your workouts with protein and a slow carb beforehand and a fast carb host, often does wonders. It really does. It's just a simple layout. It's not the exact 100% thing that will work for everyone, depending on what they're trying to do in terms of building muscle or cut down. Yeah. But if you don't have any specific goal, it works really well. And it also creates a religious type of structure that if you start getting used to it and, and you'll see great results, you simply won't be putting on fat if you are working out consistently and holding to a schedule like that. I also
0: think it's kind of cool if we talk about like a balanced perspective, let's say you want to eat something. That's not that great for you. You want to know what the best time to eat it is after a workout, because after yeah. your workout, your body needs fuel. And yeah. so the chance of it using some of that to kind of replenish the energy that you just expended is pretty high. Yeah. Another thing that's kind of cool is like, I'm not saying to do this all the time, but like if you were normally going to eat let's say you were going to eat one cookie every day. Okay. And that's like, this is what you've done since the beginning of time. And this is something that you don't want to give up. This is like, whatever your one uh, ray of sunshine throughout the day. Guess what? If you want to eat that cookie, how about you work out first? And then it kind of like nullifies itself. I mean, like, you know, we're not asking you to, to be miserable. You know, we're just trying to help you find solutions
1: here, creative
0: solutions, because knowledge is power people
1: and if you if you like so you you love pizza right i love pizza so if if again in, in a in a vacuum here if if you've got a workout schedule where you work out 3 times a day or sorry 3 times a week
0: times and a week. one
1: of those workouts <laughs> oh well, maybe and one of those workouts is a so for me that was my my deadlifting day was sacred okay eventually became deadlifting days plural yeah but my deadlifting day was sacred i know i'm going to lift the most amount of weight of the week, I'm going to exert the most energy. There's my pizza night, right? If if my heart is racing through that workout, if I am exerting myself more than any other time throughout the week, that's my pizza night. Makes sense. And you there can you know. eat that knowing full well that your body's gonna do a lot better with it than if you're just sitting down doing nothing. Sitting down, doing nothing, guys, and eating, you, you know where that, that food energy is, is is going to contribute to when there's no Expression yeah. of that energy. Yeah, it's going to sit, and then if you're going to do cardio, if you're going to go run in the evening, you're, you're burning those calories that are ingested. You're not losing weight. You're, no. you're not. I, I I sound like that YouTube video that keeps popping up that I turn off really quick. But one time I let it run a little bit, and there was that one thing that I agreed with where the guy was like, "Yeah, if you're just going for a run, you're just burning the calories that you ate." Yeah. So you you got to be a little bit more strategic about that. You got to understand when your body can burn. Most efficiently, so that you're actually burning fat, not burning yeah. calories.
0: Damn so. right. You see, not only did we drop some quality card knowledge, a little bit of cool insight, we also gave you something that you can take with you and apply literally at the end of this podcast. Anywho, folks, I hope you guys thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed today's episode of Cardboard Coaches. Until, until later, until next time. Until later, we'll pick one of the two. Coach Co out. Peace, guys.